Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Welcome back. I hope that you are doing very well. As this episode is set to release on December 27th, I'm prayerful that you had a safe and enjoyable holiday weekend, a wonderful day of worship, and you are optimistic and ready for a great new year. In this month of December, we designated a few episodes to getting prepared for better planning, making next year more successful than the one before it. We looked at things like winning in mind or setting up your circles of importance. And then last week, the juggling act, as we look at how to put all of those pieces together and shine for Jesus, really in all circumstances. Next week, to start the new year, I want to give you a few more basic tips that you can implement in your own planning so that you can meet all of the goals that are important to you. But before we get back to that, I need to share this with you. If I'm a little extra today in this episode, it's because this phrase, missions of mercy, and what it means for my life and family and the church has pretty much just taken over control of my heart. If you are a member of the Lindale Church or you catch our sermons, you might note that I've been using this phrase through much of the month of December. I have decided personally that missions of mercy will be the central focus of my life in this coming year. I presented it to our church, met with our eldership to see if we could make it our theme for 2022. And maybe I can convince you to do the same. Here's basically what we're talking about today. The Lord Jesus came on a mission of mercy. His objective was to seek for the sheep who had drifted. He wanted to bring them home. He went out of his way to get them. He knew how much each and every soul meant to the Father, and he told stories to help us understand it. And it was and is the will of God that his disciples follow in his footsteps. When people drift from God, maybe they were never Christians, but they come to this age of knowledge of good and evil and they choose evil. Or when they have been Christians and yet they just let the world pull them away. When people do that, it hurts God. He loves them and their souls just as much as he loves yours. He goes out of his way to reach for them and to turn them back. And we are his instruments. As much mercy as God has shown me, as much patience and endurance as he has put into my journey to help me get to heaven. He wants you and me to make it a part of our growth to reach out and do the same for others. I will give you some practical ideas today that can apply to you personally and also the local church where you worship. But first, I want to run you through some of the things that Jesus said. You get the Cliff Notes version today. I did three sermons in Lindale, one on Luke chapter 15, which includes the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. 
I did another one on Matthew 18, an entire chapter on the kind of people we need to become in order to be tools for restoration. And then what I thought was an interesting take on Peter from John 21. Peter was a man who loved God completely, entirely. But he did not always connect that with serving, shepherding, and strengthening others. I'll say this on the application side before we get into a short version of each of those chapters. There are so many people around you in this life who have drifted from God. People who have lost their connection with the church, who have lost their connection with believers, and it can so often be the case that we just write them off. We sometimes call it withdrawal or disfellowship. There are different names for it, but we very often miss that there are beautiful things that God challenges us to do with them before we put some label on them and move on. Maybe we should never just put some label on them and move on. Churches, whole local churches, could look back over these last two pandemic years and write down names. Who have we lost? Who has drifted into the world? Who has lost connection with believers? Jesus, if he was here, would go and get them. He would go with open arms. He would express love and concern for them. And he would seek to serve the Father by bringing them back. That's what you and I need to do. We must do it. I want to share with you the pathway that has taken me to this point of intensity. First of all, Luke 15. Three stories. A man, a shepherd, loses one of his 100 sheep. He leaves the 99 and he goes after that sheep. He finds it. He puts it on his shoulders. He walks it all the way back and throws a party. To me, that story represents Jesus, the shepherd. Does Jesus go to seek his straying sheep? He does. How does he do that? It's complicated. I think he does it through the three P's today, through passages, through people, which is our point, and through providence, where God works relationships together so that mercy can be found. The third story in Luke 15 is the prodigal son. We know that one really well. The father loses one of his sons. The son goes off and wastes all of his inheritance. It is clearly the imagery of God the Father and us, his children. While he doesn't go and get the boy in that story, he is waiting for him. And when that boy returns, he does not have to pay restitution. He does not have to fix what he broke. He just needs to come home. And the father embraces him and throws a grand feast for him. And Jesus said, that's what happens in heaven when even one person whom God loves just as much as every other person, is brought home. The Bible teaches us to be the tools that help carry that out. And I believe the story in between illustrates that. Do you remember the woman who lost one of her ten coins? She swept the whole house until she found it, and then she told everyone. I found some interesting history on that story, that the woman was a bride. And instead of receiving a wedding ring, she would have received a necklace with ten coins on it. That necklace became a part of her, and it represented her relationship to her husband. To lose one of those ten coins would be a disgrace to her. She couldn't present herself to her husband, and in some cases was even put away for such a disgrace. So, she seeks. She seeks until she finds it, and she rejoices when she does, because it makes her whole and presentable to her husband. 
So if Jesus is the shepherd looking for the sheep and God is the father waiting for the son, then who is the bride? The woman. It's us. It's the church. When we lose any one of our own, when anyone drifts into this world, we don't write them off and say, well, probably better for the protection of the rest of us. Or, you know, I tried to call them once and they didn't answer, so I guess that's over. What if we had an attitude more like her? They are a part of us, the body of Christ, and we, all of us, belong to him and are presented to him. Let's go tell them they matter. Let's go tell them that we seek to receive them back, that we want to do anything that we can to give them what they need to be one with Jesus. Do you know how many people have drifted from the church who will not come back even though they have a heart to do it because they feel like they've done too much wrong? They feel like they'll be judged. They feel like the church went on without them. Sometimes this comes up because they fell off the necklace into the corner and no one came looking. No one cared about their story or their needs and the devil did his worst with them. Let's go and get them, for their sake, for our sake, and for Jesus' sake. There are a lot of great ways to get this going. It starts with a simple list. Who in this church is struggling? Who in the last five years just disappeared almost completely unnoticed? Or even if they were noticed back then, or they were even belligerent, where are they now? Could they use some love now? Are they ready to come home now? And are we, you and me, are we the people to go and do it to love them like the shepherd loves them? Well, I think that is an interesting question. Are we really the people to do this? Am I? Are you? Jesus addresses that in Matthew chapter 18. And I really have to give this to you in a short, compact fashion But there is a sermon on our website called Missions of Mercy that deals directly with Matthew 18. There are four qualities that must exist in you to make this work. Number one, we must be humble. Remember when the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest and Jesus brings this child and puts the child on his knee and says, become like this. What he was saying is, you need to always be in need of me. Be desperate and dependent upon my grace at every point in your life, because that's the message you take to them, that you need me, and I'm there for you, and they need me also, so they should come home. May it never be that our restoration goal is to go out and tell someone they need to do what we're doing so they can get what we get. That is prideful and foolish. Instead, we tell them that we are in need, and he is the answer for us and for them. Number two is be careful Remember, he said, do not cause one of these little ones to stumble. Do not address them in a way, the weak, the drifting, the new, the impressionable souls around you. Do not address them in a way that drives them away, or you will not want to face me, Jesus said. Remember, he said, it would be better for a heavy millstone to be hung around your neck and you be drowned in the sea than to face me, having driven away one of the sheep that I'm pursuing. I mentioned in that sermon a sheep right on the edge of the cliff, and Jesus is just about to reach down and grab him, and then another sheep runs by and bumps him off the cliff and keeps on running. I don't want to be that person, so I need to be careful with pride 
and approach them with the right heart and be kind and be careful. Number three in that text is being useful. This is the section we know pretty well where he says, look, if someone is sinning, go talk to them about it. Don't go talk to someone else about them. Like, go find them and talk about it. If they're not ready to listen, then go find two or three more people who also love them and have them go express mercy and help to them. And if they won't listen to that, we don't have some public announcement that says that we're done with them. We have a public announcement to the church that says, Church, go after this person. Go see them, go visit them, go help them, go love them, go be merciful to them. If all of us go, maybe we can find that coin and present it to Jesus. He goes on to say that if that doesn't work, they can be to you as a tax collector and a Gentile. But just remember that Jesus went to their house also to try to save them whenever he could. And then lastly, in Matthew 18, is to be merciful. He tells the story of the man who owed thousands of talents. He would never be able to pay it back. He begged for mercy, and the master granted it to him. It's a beautiful telling of our salvation story. You and I have done so much wrong. There is no reason on earth God should accept us, and yet he does. But that same guy goes out and finds someone who owes him a few months' wage and starts choking the guy because he couldn't pay him back. Jesus goes on to reveal that the master hears about this and takes the man and tosses him into the dungeon until he can repay all of the talents that he owes. In other words, he'll be there forever. May that story help you this coming year. There are people I know who have done you wrong. It hurt. It's like they went out of their way to make it hurt on their way out the door. There are family members who have done great damage, and there are friends who betrayed you. The first and most obvious point is that you have done all of those things in your life to Jesus, and he died to save you. And he has gone above and beyond to say, that was painful, but greater pain is seeing you in a lost condition. Come home. May that same mercy come forth from us in our attitude and words and actions as we seek to save others, even those who hurt us. Okay, so here's the deal. We are to love others like God loves us and also like God loves them. We need to seek and save them. We need to help them. But we need to be the kind of people who are prepared to do that. And that's the challenge I'm giving to you. Are you humble? Are you in need of Jesus? And is that the message you can share with others? Are you careful not to be overly judgmental or create these hurdles that they have to clear that God doesn't even create? And if you are ready to prepare yourself, will you be useful? We do actually have to go. We need to make those lists, jot down those names in prayer in our journals, and go get them. I've already seen that take root in our church. In an elders meeting last week, the language of seeking and helping and restarting conversations was incredibly refreshing. My daughter Hannah goes to church here. She's awesome. Immediately after the Luke 15 sermon a few weeks ago, even before we got into Matthew 18, she started typing up a list of Christians who have been struggling, those who have drifted, those she doesn't know about, and even a list of those who've just walked away from God. She shared it with me. 
I shared it with the eldership here, and we have all determined to be deliberate in 2022 to go do everything we can in gentleness and kindness and hope to help those people know the comforts of Jesus, the warmth of the Father's arms, and the beauty of our Christian fellowship. May we never be like that other son. Do you remember that from the story of the prodigal? The other son didn't know when the brother came back, and it doesn't look like he cared. He could not understand the nature of the father's rejoicing when the son had done so much wrong. He felt like some credit was due him for his faithfulness, not credit due to the one who returned who'd been so wasteful. That is such a poignant story. Because on your best day, you have been wasteful. And so have I. And yet the Father keeps us in his fold because of the efforts that we make to do right and the way that we seek to trust him. He loves us and it matters. But can you see that he loves them also? He loves those who have gone just as much as he loves you. And he wants you to love them like he does. And more than that, as we wrap up this episode with a quick reference to John 21, he wants you and me, he needs us to connect our love for him with our service of one another. There are a lot of people in the church who love Jesus and serve Jesus and value their faithfulness on how they worship Jesus, and all of that is great. But how many times did Jesus remind us that in the judgment, it will be your service of, your care for, his sheep, wayward and otherwise, that will determine your eternal outcome? Maybe I'll pick up on this in a future episode, but Peter was a guy who loved Jesus so much. But he had a little trouble translating that into helping others know Jesus. If you want to hear more on that, I have a sermon in late December called, Do You Love Me?, that walks through some of that. Eventually, Peter learned that the truest sense of love for Jesus is to love like Jesus. I think it's easy to love him. It's a lot harder to love others in his name, like he loves them. But they are the ones that need us. Who in your life needs you? They need your time and energy They need your kindness and your patience. They need to know Jesus, and you're the one who can show him to them. Maybe they've never known him before, or maybe they walked away from him long ago. It doesn't matter. They need Jesus. They need his grace, and he has chosen you to go to them with missions of mercy. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email, order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.